And so this morning, as we look, we're going back to the Gospel of John, and I want you to know, I take the Scripture very, very seriously. I, I think when we look at God's Word, there's something about it that's different than any other text we can read. The, it's, it's, it's living, it's alive. The Bible speaks to each one of us. And so, you know, starting this series, I've actually had a little bit of a hard time because I'm covering so much information. And I kind of grew up under kind of verse by verse and, and section by section paragraph. And so for me, this is a challenge, but it, it, it's actually I've been able to learn. And I'm like, this isn't taking it out of context. This is helping me understand context in some way. So, and, and as we looked at two weeks ago, as we looked at chapter seven, we saw how John was very specific, how he wrote and how he was covering eight days. And I think it was really meant to be covered at one time. And so, you know, I encourage you, it's kind of challenging. I want you to then on your own to go in and to, to dig deeper uh, as we're into this series during the week. But this week, we're going to look at chapter eight. And, and I want to challenge you to this is we're going to cover a lot of ground, but I think there's some really clear things that God wants to speak to each one of us. And it's what we choose to focus on. When I looked at this text, I was like, oh man, there's like 80 different ways to look at this. And, and what, what is John really trying to say? So I encourage you to pull out your notes. Uh, you can follow along in your notes. You can fill in as that goes. If you have a Bible, you can pull that out. If you have an iPad, you can also follow along on the screen today. But it's starting in chapter 8 of the Gospel of John. Jesus returns to the Mount of Olives and, and uh, returns uh, to the Mount of Olives. And, and, and here's what we see. We see this... Uh, um, at the end of chapter 7, they said they all went home. Well, um, Jesus didn't have a home there in Jerusalem. And so, so uh, Jesus uh, uh, went away. But as, as he comes back and, uh, you know, he, he has his friends that we know that are in Bethany that are right on the south side of the Mount of Olives. And, and that's uh, Mary, Martha and Lazarus at their place. So we don't know if he went to solitude. We don't know if he stayed at a friend's house or, or what he did. But, but what we see is where he's at now. And so in verse 2, it says, But early the next morning, he was back at the temple. As soon as, as the crowds gathered and he sat down, he taught them. So it's kind of interesting. It's, it's, it's early in the morning. He's there. People are ready to hear. Jesus is, we've already talked about, he's a rabbi, he's a teacher, he's a communicator that, that people wanted to hear. They, they were like, I want to hear the rabbi, I want to hear him speak. And so it's basically what we're seeing is kind of a church service. So he's got this church service, he, he's sharing about God, and then here's what happens in verse 3. As he's speaking, the teacher of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. That's kind of an interesting church service, right? You know, when someone pulls in someone like that, you know, and puts them in the center of the room. I looked at a study this week, and they said that 57% of American men and 54% of American women um, have committed infidelity in, in multiple relationships. And and I looked at that, and I was like, huh, okay, so, so we're looking at those numbers. 
um, what they said is that 53% of American marriages end in divorce. And then what was interesting was the, the study went a little bit further, and it said that 74% of men and 68% of women in this survey said, I would have an affair if there, if, if there was no way that I would get caught. And I was like, wow. So what's inside of people's hearts? You know, it's like, maybe I, I won't do it because I might get caught. But the reality is, if I didn't get caught, I would do that. And that kind of shows integrity. That shows value of where people are at. Well, when you watch TV, when you watch movies, you know, social media, they make it seem like everybody's doing it. It's just okay. You can work through it. You know, um, it's a tough thing, and it's a tough thing now. And if you've ever experienced that betrayal or anything, you know exactly what that's like. But it was a tough thing back then, and, and I think it was almost the same mentality, was that uh, people thought it was wrong, but if they could get away with it, they would probably do it. And so what we see during that time is that um, they had laws, they had rules, but few people actually followed those laws and rules. Few people actually went um, with what they said. And so um, during that time where Jesus is teaching, there were three um, sins that would be looked at as the worst sins that you could do. And they, they would be punishable by death. And, and, and one is murder. One is um, uh, idolatry. That's, that's worshiping another god. And, and the, the uh, one that we're talking about today is adultery. And so we look at this, and, and it's a very serious thing. But I want you to understand that few people were ever, you know, as, as they're bringing this lady in, um, few people were ever put on trial like this. This was actually a pretty rare occasion. This, this didn't happen. People didn't, didn't die of this, and I'll, I'll explain why. Um, here's a couple reasons why, so you can understand the mosaic law of, of what's going on, because we want to make sure we take, take this whole thing in context, is during that time, so if I saw someone committing the act of adultery. What does that mean? It means that they're actually in the act of adultery. If you're not sure what that is, talk to Joe. You know, I mean, so, so they're, right, they're right in the middle of the act. And, and, and here's the thing. So it, it, it has to be not just one person, but it actually has to be two witnesses. And they have to watch the person in the act. And then what they have to do is that they have to give a warning to the person. They have to give them a visible warning of saying, you need to stop this now or we're going to take you in um, those witnesses also have to be two people that have never uh, had that crime committed so so if i had ever done adultery i couldn't be a witness to that but then here's what the law said is that that they would actually have to take them together so so you got two witnesses at least they're watching the act they would have to say stop 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 uh, you're going to, you, we're, we're going to take you in. You've got to stop this act. They would then continue on, and then they would, they would then bring them in together. So what we see here is a very interesting picture. 
because there's a lot of things that already don't make sense. And we've talked about that so far. We've talked about the Pharisees and the religious leaders have said all kinds of things that sound really good until you dig a little deeper. Like they said, Jesus, you, you, you broke the Sabbath. And, and we've already looked at that. And we've looked at all the different ways that, that they could have interpreted that. And we realized, no, Jesus didn't in, uh, break the Sabbath. And so we see again a, a situation that's very, very awkward, very weird, um, what we see is, is uh, um, basically, um, here, here's what it says in verse 4. It says that, um, teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? Again, what, what a great bunch of guys, you know, really righteous guys. They're, they're dragging in a lady probably almost naked, if, if not naked, just dragging her in, totally exploiting her, abusing her in front of all of these people. And then they're, they're like, hey, Jesus, what, what do you do about this? Now, the problem is this is a trap. That's, that's all it is. They're trying to play games. They're, they're like, okay, this is really going to mess up Jesus. We're going to be able to go back to life as normal. And, 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 and I'll tell you why it was such a trap because it wasn't sincere. It wasn't um, with the Mosaic law at all. And, and I'm going to go a little deeper as, as we go on of, of the three ways that, that it traps. But I want you to understand these Pharisees, these religious people, they look great on the outside. They're horrible people. They're awful people. And, and, and I was thinking of it this week. I was thinking, man, how many of us, you know, myself, uh, uh, many of you, have been really abused by authority. That someone in the name of God, someone, you know, with authority has said, hey, and then you're like, man, I really got beat up by that person. Man, I really got abused. I really got, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And I want you to know that just because someone says they do it in the name of God doesn't mean that it, it is it all from God. And so I want you to understand that you may think, well, God allowed this to happen. This was sinful people, just like this situation. And, I, and I'm really sorry. And if you've gone through those things, I'd love to take time, you know, during the week and we, we can have a cup of coffee and talk about that. But what we're going to see today is amazing, is we're going to see who God really is, who Jesus really is. And so many times we've heard other people say who he is. And, and in verse 6, it says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. So, so what are these traps? What are these three things that they were trying to get Jesus on? The first one is, is for him to say, go ahead, do whatever you want. Now, Jesus already was known for his grace and his mercy and for being a friend of sinners. How would that affect that relationship? Boy, everyone would be like, wow, I really trusted Jesus, but he's just like everyone else. Oh boy, you know what? If Jesus really knew who I was, he would toss me out too. And that was, that was, that was one of the plans that if, if Jesus would have responded. Now the other one, let's say Jesus picks up that rock and he says, all right, guys, you, you're, you're, you're absolutely right here. Let, let me throw that first stone. And he kills her. Well, I want you to understand where were, what, what type of law were they living under? I mean, they had the Mosaic law of the Jewish people, but they were under Roman law. 
Now, now they didn't have the right to kill someone under Roman law. So if Jesus would have thrown a stone, if Jesus would have killed that person, Jesus would have gone to jail under the Roman law. He would have broken the law. Now, now if he would have gone along with what the people had said, then, then, and, and, and with the Pharisees, he didn't follow any of the Mosaic law. So Jesus was like, I can't follow what you're saying. It's just not true. So there were three things that they were trying to trap Jesus on. And, and I just want you to understand a little bit of the culture. So how does Jesus deal with it? Because Jesus doesn't say adultery is okay. Because that's really what they were hoping he would say. They were hoping that Jesus would just say, you know, kind of that hippie Jesus, you know, and he's like, oh, hey, peace, everybody smoke some dope, and uh, it's all fine, guys, it's all okay, you know, don't worry about it, it's okay. You know, then they would say, wait a second, so Jesus, your rabbi doesn't even believe in the law? Your rabbi doesn't? And so, so it's this trap that they're trying to catch him in. And Jesus is bent down, but as he gets up, and as he moves towards them, he responds in a way that they weren't ready for. And, and so what we see is that he had just got down from the ground. And, and, and I want you to know, where is he at? He, he, he's, he's at the temple, and, and uh, he is, uh, the ground there is actually, um, it would be concrete, or it would actually probably be stone. And so as he's on that ground, Imagine like when you've been on stone and there's, there's just dust everywhere. Jesus had just finished writing a little bit on the ground with his finger in the dust. And, and that, that'll come in important in, in just a little bit. Is that Jesus gets up and they kept demanding. So, so Jesus is on the ground. He writes a little bit. And then, and then he gets up and they're, they're, they're talking to him. And they're saying, Jesus, come on, come on, come on. They, they just wouldn't stop. Jesus said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then Jesus, Jesus stoops down and he writes again on that dust. So you can imagine just the dust everywhere. And he starts to write. Well, this isn't what they really expected. They, they wanted Jesus to give a bumper sticker answer. But Jesus followed everything. Because now let's say that the Mosaic law was done absolutely right. And, and they did that warning that I talked about. It was two witnesses. And then they came and they grabbed both of them. And they brought them back. Well, they would bring them to the rabbi. And what would happen is they, there, there's, there's cleansing. There's all kinds of stuff that would happen first. But then they would bring them to the rabbi to see if they're guilty or not. And what the rabbi would do is the rabbi would actually, he, he could use the ground just like what Jesus did in the dust. And he could write, what he'd write is he'd, he'd write Bill, and not, not you, Bill, but, and, and Mary, and not you, Mary, but he, he would write their names, and then he would write what they had committed. And he would write it that way. And Mosaic Law says that, that, that it could be written basically anywhere, it just can't be written permanently. So what was interesting was Jesus was actually following the whole thing that rabbis would do during that time. And as he's writing down, though, I've got a good feeling it doesn't say what he wrote down, but, but people would interpret a, 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 a Greek word there as lists. And as he's writing the list like we talked about, um, 
what's interesting is we start to see the response. And, and, and there's nothing that is hidden from God. He knows everything that is going on. And so as he's writing there, it says that the accusers start to walk away from the oldest to the youngest. They probably looked over. Whoa. Yep, uh, Jesus has been reading my mail and, and walk off. And then, and, and then to look and be like, whoa, yep. Oh, man, yeah, that was Mary Lou. Oh, boy, that was, that was in Bethany. I thought no one knew about that. And, 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 and you're seeing people walking off. You're seeing them walk away as Jesus is just writing there. Guys, this is what it says in Jeremiah 17, 13. It says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsakes thee shall be ashamed. And that they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. And this is so interesting because if you remember where we were at in chapter 7, it was the festival that they were at. And, and uh, at that, the, the festival of shelters, there were three major events and one of them was of water. And we looked at that uh, in chapter 7. And it's just so interesting that these people, that they, they, they tried so hard to memorize the scripture. Now they're feeling the scripture come back to them. And they're, they're feeling conviction and realizing, whoa, is, is, is this really being spoken to me? In verse 10, it says, um, then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, so everyone had left. The woman is, is, is basically laying in the center. And Jesus says, where are those that are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And I mean, you can just imagine her lifting her head and just very timid after such a horrific, abusive experience to then look up and realize, wait, where are all those people? What did happen? There wasn't yelling, there wasn't screaming. What took place? And she said, no, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Guys, I, I want you to underline, go and sin no more. Guys, that's very, very important as we look at Jesus of who he is. Go and sin no more. Now, what we start to see, and this is what we're going to continue on through the scripture, is what do we focus on? Guys, we could focus on the Pharisees all day long. We could focus on the religious people. We could even focus on the lady and say, oh boy, you know, you know what, where she's from or you know, this isn't her first time. Or We can focus on all of these things or we can choose to focus on Jesus. And that's where I think that's where we'll end up in life is as we focus on Jesus. If we want to be connected to Jesus, we focus on him. And so what do we see from this? Write, write this down is that Jesus is love. We focus that Jesus is love. That's what we're going to run into in life when we realize that. Jesus said, go 
Basically, you, you don't need to be held down by this anymore. You don't have to allow this to be your identity. You don't have to live in your past. All right, get up and move forward. But then he says, don't sin anymore. And remember, we saw that before, a few chapters before, where, where there was a man that was healed. And Jesus says, don't, don't sin anymore or things could get even worse. And so Jesus is very clear. Guys, that's one of the most loving things that you can tell someone. When they're talking about their past and they're beat up by their guilt and their shame, you say, hey, I love you and I care about you, but you don't have to live there. You know what? Don't, don't, don't stay in those behaviors. You can move past that. And when we encourage them, that's the most loving thing we can do. When we tell people, hey, different strokes for different folks, do whatever you want. Hey, I'm not going to get into your business. Guys, that's not loving. That's not loving at all. That's not caring at all. But we see that in Jesus. And so then in verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said that I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Wow, such a powerful scripture. Um, that's how Jesus identifies himself. That's how Jesus defines himself. So, so when we're focusing on Jesus, guys, write this in, is that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Many of you, uh, you might even be in a chapter right now, a very, very dark chapter. Maybe you've just gone out of one and or maybe, maybe one's around the corner. But what I want you to understand that no matter how dark this world is, Jesus is brighter than all of it. He is the light. And I think it's really interesting because as Jesus is, is talking here, He's in the tabernacle. Jesus is actually in a, a court, and we've talked about that, how there's different layers and stuff. And, and he's at the court. They'd, also, they'd actually call it the court of women, and that's where he's at. So there's this area, and that's as far as women could go at that time into the temple. And Jesus was actually in that area. That was also the same area that they had, and, and, and we'll see it a little later in Scripture. But, but we also see where it's, um, uh, it's, it's called the uh, Court of Treasury, and it's actually in the Court of Women, and that's actually where people would come and give donations. So it's really interesting, right where Jesus is at. And I'm looking at this picture, and I'm like, wow. And, and Jesus is right there. And, and uh, as you do a little research on it, you, you actually see that there's these uh, candlesticks that are in there, and, and it's the bright light. And, and I think, wow, isn't that amazing? You start to get this picture, and, and you're looking at it, and you're like, where was Jesus? You know, Jesus had just really lived out love, really lived out caring for a person. Then he walks into this room that everyone's familiar with. They're looking around the room, and they got the candles, and they got, you know, and then, and then Jesus says, guys, I'm the light of the world. And I, I thought of it this week, and I'm like, wow, we look to all kinds of other things to be our light. Oh, my safety, my security, this, that. And Jesus is re really saying, man, I'm at all. I'm the thing that's going to help you in life. 
And so as we look at that, and, and this week as you're reading scripture, you're going to see that we get these conflicts. So, so Jesus just makes this bold statement. Now we have uh, the religious people, they're starting to argue with Jesus because they don't like what he's saying. They don't, they don't like how he's saying things. They're like, that's, that's not valid, Jesus. How can you say that you're the light of the world? Where's your witnesses? How in the world can you say this, Jesus? And, and then Jesus responds back to them. And he's like, hey, um, guys, you don't get it because you're human. You know, you're 100% human. You, you see things very limited perspective. And Jesus says, I see things totally different. You know, me and my dad, we see it different. We see it completely different. We, we see it on a different level. And they respond back, and, and, and the rich translation says, who's your daddy then? You know, who's your daddy, Jesus? You know, you think Maury Povich is going to come up, and they're going to do DNA tests or something. And they're like, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy on this one? And, 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 and it's, it, when you read the scripture, Jesus answers it this way. And he says, since you don't know me, who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. And so there's this major conflict between them because, you know, they thought we're the experts. We know everything. And now Jesus is challenging us on this. Here's what it says in verse 21. Later, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will search for me, but will die in your sins. You cannot come where I'm going. Verse 22. The people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You can't come where I'm going. Jesus continues. You are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am, remember the powerful meaning of that, who claims to be, you will die in your sins. And so Jesus takes this word that just, you know, sucks the, the air out of the room because I am who is that that is God Almighty. And, and Jesus uses that word. And he says, unless you believe in me, you're going to stay dead in your sins. You, you are going to die. So then, then they respond back in verse 25 and they said, who are you? And then they're, they're, they're getting really frustrated. They're getting upset. They, they, they don't know how to respond to Jesus and what he's saying. And when we're talking about things to focus on in life, write this in, is that we need to focus on that Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus just isn't a teacher. Jesus just isn't a belief system. Jesus isn't just some book that we read about. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is God. They're one. We look at that, that, that the, the partnership of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that, that they're one and that they're separate, and that he's the one and the only one that can save you of your sins. When you look at your life, you realize, wait a second, Jesus is saying he is the only one, that there is no other solution, no other second option, third option. It is in Christ alone. Jesus replies, the one I have always claimed to be. 
I have much to say about you and much to condemn. Well, you, you don't really always see that in a Hallmark card. Um, but I won't say, um, for I say only what I've heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. See, they didn't understand Jesus and the Father. They kept thinking that there was going to be a Messiah coming. They didn't understand the connection. They just thought he was going to instantly poof appear. And then when, when he appeared, he was going to help them. And they were going to be politically better off. And they were going to be financially better off, emotionally better off. He was just going to come and make everything better. And so as Jesus is speaking there, they just can't wrap their minds around what he's saying to them. And in verse 28, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. Guys, in, in this passage in your Bible, you can go ahead and underline those I am's because it's really important as what Jesus is saying in those statements. And he says that I do nothing without uh, on my own but say only what the Father has taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I am always doing what pleases him. Then many who heard him say what Jesus was speaking about, the scripture said that they believed in him. When they heard that, they were like, wait a second. I really, if I'm going to be clean in life, if I'm going to really be uh, connected to God, it's about following Jesus. And so people right there, right there in, in, in the court um, area, they're, they're like, why well, I'm, I'm changing my life. I'm, 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 I'm going to follow Jesus. See, in, in, in number four, if you just write this in, is that what we have to focus on is that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the absolute truth. Everything else is opinions, ideas. Um, you know, I mean, we all have some pretty good ideas. We have some pretty good thoughts. Uh, half of them are right. Half of them are wrong. We just don't know which ones are right and which ones are wrong. And so that's the thing with us is that we can make mistakes, and we do make mistakes. But with Jesus, it's absolute truth that we can count on Jesus so in verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. Verse 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Guys, underline that, underline that, underline that. Because it's really important that you keep in context. We can sometimes toss out bumper sticker things and we use scripture completely out of context. But when we look at it in context, what are we seeing? We're seeing Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, you will know the truth. Who is he talking about? Jesus. And the truth will set you free. It's Jesus that sets us free. Sometimes we can toss that phrase, and it sounds so great. We can use it politically. We can use it, you know, with our ideas and our thoughts. But in context, it's saying it's Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the one that will set you free. But listen to this. They, they're responding back to him. And in verse 33, it says, but we are descendants of Abraham. It says, we, guys, just, just think about this for a second of the statement that they're saying. They're saying, 
we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean that you will set us free? Guys, I started reading it and I was like, what are these people saying? There's so much that they're saying and doing out of context. And the problem is people say, that's a good religious person. That person looks good. That person seems smart. I'm going to believe what they say. Man, they are so wrong. I mean, you could just start writing it down and you're like, okay, when have the Jews been enslaved historically? I mean, we can go on and on and on. The bondage to Egypt, Assyria, um, let's see, where, Babylon, Persia, Greece. And then were they free where they were at right in, in that courtyard? No, no, they were under Roman oppression, all right? The Romans were over them. They were basically slaves to the Romans. And so it's interesting that they sit there and say, hey, we're, we're Abraham's kids, all right? And uh, we've never dealt with this at all. We've never had this problem before. Jesus gets it. He's not going to argue with, you know, the crazy thing that they're saying. But here, here's how he replies in verse 34. He says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Guys, that's a pretty good one to underline too. That if you sin, you are a slave to sin. It says, a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Guys, that's what we believe. That's a foundation of our belief is that I can't juggle enough, I can't do enough nice things to somehow get God to say, hey, let's just wipe the sin away. It's the shed blood of Jesus. It's Jesus, the Son, setting me free. And when Jesus sets you free, man, you're totally free. You're completely free at that point. So number five is this, focus on Jesus. He's the one to set you free. He's the one to set you free. When you're dealing with those struggles of life and your financial, emotional, you know, you're those relational things and you're struggling and you're like, I keep doing the same thing over and over and over. I keep focusing on it and it doesn't get any better. You have to focus on Jesus. He's the one that will set you free. Jesus goes on and he explains the heart. He explains their motives. He's like, man, your heart's bad. That's why you can't be free. Your heart, you're, you're, you're dealing with these motives that are bad. You're, you're acting like you want everything good, but you're not dealing with the issue. And the issue is your heart. And that's true for each one of us today is what's going to separate us from God is the issue of our heart. We can have all kinds of head knowledge, but if it doesn't drop to our heart, if our heart doesn't change, and we are lost. And so it goes on in the scripture, 41. It says that, no, you are imitating your real father. And they replied, we, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus says, if, if God were your father, you would love me. Because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he who sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are children, and you can underline this in 44, for you are children of your father, the devil. 
And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Guys, that's incredibly powerful. This is Jesus speaking. Do you believe him or not? If you're a follower of Christ, this is what we need to focus on. Is that Jesus is wanting to be clear. Jesus isn't wanting to, to, to dance around issues. Jesus is clear about things. He's wanting to be clear about what's going on in your life. Jesus wants to be clear. I want you to write that in to focus on being clear. That as you follow Jesus, he's what's clear. Verse 48 is that the, the people retorted, you Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No. Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Guys, that this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the truth. Guys, write this. Focus on Jesus is life. He's life. We think, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do this. Maybe, maybe if I do this way, I'll have a better life. The only way you are going to truly have the life, the best life that you were designed for, is as you follow Jesus. He goes on and, and he says, now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham the prophet died. But you say anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Are you greater than my father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Guys, these are the same things that people are saying today. When they talk about Jesus, they just can't handle, they just can't wrap themselves around the truth that Jesus is saying. And Jesus says, if, if I want to glorify myself, it doesn't count, but it's the Father who will glorify me. He is our God. You're saying that he is your God, but you don't even know who I am. If you know him, you would know me. In verse 56, he says, your father Abraham rejoices as he looks forward to my coming. He saw it and he was glad. The people said, you, you aren't even 50 years old. How could you say that you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am from the beginning. I'm the one who created it all. And at this point, we look and we, we, we see the response 
of the people. We see that some believed and we see that some fell away. And what's interesting, guys, at the very beginning of this beautiful picture of Jesus and all of his grace and mercy, what did these people want to do? They picked up rocks and they said, let's, let's kill this lady. Let's kill her. Guys, what did they end up doing? The, the last verse here is 59. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them, and he left the temple. Guys, it started with that they were going to kill this lady. It ends. They want to kill Jesus. Guys, I look at this, and I'm like, wow, this is the character of people. They're really good with you until you tell them there's one way, until you tell them they're an absolute, and then they're like, I hate you. Oh, you hate monger. You know, ah, you know, I mean, they freak out. They can't handle it. I'm not going to be friends with you on Facebook anymore. I'm not going to be you closed-minded, narrow-minded. Wow. Wow, I'm so glad that you're so open-minded, you know. And, and, you know, I mean, you look at it. But Jesus paints such a beautiful picture. And the last thing that I want you to write in is to focus that Jesus is not afraid. He's not afraid of death. He's not afraid of anything else. Sometimes when you read scripture, you can read it really quick and and take it out of context. Sometimes you can read this at the very end, and it says, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Guys, Jesus didn't hide. Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm so afraid of what other people might say. I'm so afraid of what other people might do. He was so bold. But what I love is God said, okay, Jesus, here, no one even sees who you are. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. They have rocks, but they can't even see you right now. Guys, no matter what you're dealing with in life, no matter what you're going through, he is going to protect you. When you stand up for what's right, when you do the right thing, he says, no, I'm going to take care of you. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll do a miracle right now in your life. And I believe that that's what God wants to do right now in your life. Let's pray. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. You are so amazing. You are so awesome. God, I thank you that we saw the picture today of your son and the grace and the mercy that we don't have to stay caught in our sin, that we can go and walk away from that lifestyle, that we don't have to stay there, but we can be free that whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. I want you to know no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, no matter how much money you make, no matter what school you went to, no matter where you live, no matter what your skin looks like, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, the sun wants to set you free. There's nothing that you could have done that disqualifies you from the sun setting you free. You might say, Rich, you don't understand. doesn't matter what I think. I know what Jesus says, and he's the truth. And he wants to set you free. Not just for today, and he does. He wants to set you free of the things that you're dealing with and that you're struggling with. But he wants to set you free for eternity. He says, when, when, when this old body ends, this shell ends, and it stops ticking, I'm going to carry you, and we're going to spend eternity together if you choose today to accept him he promises to never leave you or forsake you 
he will be there today and for every day for eternity if that's you if you said hey pastor i guess i don't really know what i believe i like jesus I, i've never surrendered my life to him i've never given my life completely to him saying that i i will follow whatever you say jesus you can do that today right where we're at with every head bowed every eye closed god knows your heart god i surrender my heart to you i surrender my life to you and as you say those words you just say god set me free i need your son the bible says the angels in heaven they celebrate they say he did it she did it they are changed forever if that's you today that you said, hey, I need that change in my life. I just want to agree with you. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, if you're like, man, I just need to give my life to Jesus. I need to follow him. Would you just look up at me? Just really quick. Just, yeah, just, just look up at me. And if that's you, I want you to know that the Son has set you free. That Jesus has set you free. And that for now, with every breath you have, you have security. The angels, as they're celebrating, as they're shouting, they're saying, he did it. He did it. And you are free. God, I ask that you'd be with each one of us as we walk out of here today, that we would focus on you and what you have for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.